Welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Our special guests on the Arts Roundup this week is Tripping on Bricks. So we've got uh, Ridge, Nick, Evan, and Evan in the studio. We only have three mics going here, so uh, we're going to talk to them uh, two at a time. But uh, welcome to the Cogerson Arts Roundup. Thanks for having us. Um, so you have a new album coming out, is that right? We do. Uh, it's called Colorblind? Indeed. It comes out tonight, actually, at midnight. So how do you how does that work? You decide that you're going to release it on the 22nd. So you you do the thing like try to get some hype going by telling people at midnight it's available. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit confusing, I guess, that we did the midnight thing, but a lot of people do it um, because I haven't known whether to say like it's available tomorrow or like it's available Friday. Technically, it's available Friday, but it's also available Thursday at midnight. You know, so a little bit confusing, but Friday. And um, you have you have a, currently have one single out. We're going to play that in uh, just a little bit. It's called Lace. Yeah. Um, what was the difference between you uh, getting that single put out and getting a whole album put out? Um, in terms of like recording it, uh, when we recorded Lace, actually, we were doing a little bit of studio shopping. Um, so we we're trying to figure out who we were because we've we've been sitting on the album for quite some time. Um, so it's just been a matter of picking where we were going to record it, and then we did the single with Strawberry Skies Studio. Um, and loved them. They worked great with us, and we just figured we'd do the whole record over there. So, in terms of like online distribution and things, it's a little bit easier to get a single out there and promote like one song. Um, it's a little bit more round when you have to do a full album, but uh, it's been a learning experience. I think we've enjoyed kind of pushing it. So, how was it produced? Like, did you all self-produce this, or do you have somebody producing it for you? Yeah, we self-produced it. Um, we couldn't afford a producer, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and then, did you you? Colorblind is coming out in the same, you recorded it in the same uh, place? We did. So we you, did. you liked where the how it turned out with Lace? Yeah, it turned out great. I think that um, the the studio just operates really well with us, knowing that we're pretty independent and new at this. So they, you know, they took the reins when they needed to, but also let us, you know, have a good bit of control, which was nice. They didn't, they weren't really egotistical about it. They were really, you know, genuine guys. So for folks who don't know you already, uh, how do you describe yourselves as a band? I would definitely say that we're in the alternative rock spectrum. Um, We're definitely kind of different than what other bands would be in the Columbia scene. Um, I would, I don't know. So you're you're all... Right right up the pipe, yeah. Alt rock, rock. Alt rock, Kind of Kings of Leon sounding a little bit. We get that a lot. Yeah. And you all are, are you all from Columbia? Um... I'm originally. I'm from Columbia. I'm from like Chapin, Irmo area, like 20 minutes west of here. I'm from Wilson, North Carolina. <laughs> so like four you know, hours away from here. I'm from Lawrence, the upstate, but we all met at Carolina, so we've, you know, Columbia's been home for quite some time, essentially. Um, and the ti- title of the band, the uh, name of the band, Tripping on Bricks, is this a reference to walking around campus? Indeed it is. Our old guitarist, Jonathan Bruni, uh, he was actually the mascot here, so he was super into school spirit. And uh, one of the things he noticed a lot was the people tripping and falling. He said, hey, let's call the band that. And then we did. And it's it's stuck since. It's a little bit too late to change it, I think. <laughs> well, you've got an album coming out under the right, name, yeah. right? So you're going to have to stick with it for at least a little bit. Um, you all play live? We do. Yes? Yeah, quite a bit. And so there's, uh, I hear there's an album release party uh, on November, uh, sorry, December 6th at the White yes. Mule. You guys are going on at 9 p.m. 
Yeah, we um the the show I think Doors are at nine. Uh, Luke Reeves has a new project. He's a guy from uh, Dead Swells, a local band. Um, but he's got his own little solo project he's doing. Um, he's going to be opening for us, and I think he goes on around 9.30, and then we'll go on around 10.15. And how often do you all play publicly as a band? Uh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Pretty yeah. fair amount, yeah. We've been, we do a lot of the like private gigs, sorority, things like that. I hear that the uh, sort of playing fraternity, sorority parties is how bands make a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's no joke. Uh, we've very much treated it like um, like the structure I kind of laid out when we started doing this was we would play um, like these private gigs, sororities, fraternity functions, which are a lot of fun but pretty cover heavy. We'd use those as like a cash cow to like fund other fun things that we wanted to do, like an album or like when we play at the White Mule, like we mostly play our own stuff, and that that really doesn't like fly as much at a. You know, at like a fraternity function. No, if you don't play Freebird, somebody's right. Gonna get upset. Yeah, yeah. We actually, I think, <laughs> set a record record at our last function. Um, I think it was what an hour and a half in when we heard our first Freebird. So that's definitely a record for longest wait until someone said Freebird. We've been getting Wonderwall recently. Yeah, a lot of oh people want to hear Wonderwall. I don't it's know very why interesting. Exploding. Wonderwall. Um, but I, I talked <laughs> a couple of weeks ago to Paul Graham, who was Hootie and the Blowfish's original tour manager oh, yeah. or one of the original tour managers and he was saying that uh, in the early days when he first went out with them that they were driving around doing gigs where you would go to um, uh, you know a venue in Nashville a venue in Asheville a venue you know somewhere in the southeast and you would play for you know 45 people um, but what allowed you to do that was the you know fraternity party that you played right. Uh, you know, later that night or earlier that night or the night before or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so that's funding the tour. And then you're doing all these so-called legitimate venues yeah. um, where you're playing your own music. But that, yeah, that totally, accurate. totally <laughs> still exists. That's, uh, I mean, so maybe there's a better way to, to do it, but 25 I 25 years it. later, it's, that's still the case. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, but in today's sort of more, uh, uh social media internet heavy world um it used to be that you had an album and you had to get the album into people's hands mm. and your uh, your album is still coming out as a cd as a record both yeah um we're gonna do some cds yeah. uh those i think get in tomorrow actually so we'll have some of those around so uh, hot off the presses hot uh, off the press we'll have cds tomorrow cds are arriving tomorrow so uh, bands are still doing that because like there are yeah. people who still like to get their hands on something oh yeah that's the man that's right me. there he yeah. lives he lives on cassettes and cds i don't have cassettes i've All seen right. you i've seen you pull a cassette out of your car oh i did have one yeah <laughs> yeah i did have one He's and then it got flipping. stolen actually oh. someone who broke into my car stole stole my uh <laughs> yeah uh, old school thief there. I know. Um, I hope he has but the album, your album comes out on platforms, so you don't have somebody producing it or promoting you. So how hard is it to get your stuff up on something like Spotify, Apple Music? Um, it's actually a lot easier than I thought. I mean, it takes. There's definitely a learning curve. Uh, I had to learn a lot of the features of, you know, how to do it, and I did a ton of reading. I've spent like the last six months just like reading how to do all of this, and you know, talking to as many people as I can. Um, Lace is currently up on Spotify. Yeah, and I, I read here that it's gotten almost eight thousand plays. I think so. so yeah. Is that all there. you all just playing it over and over? On they a loop actually when you leave the house. Or our plan it... was to do that. We were all going to leave it on every night, just on loop. And then we found out that there's an algorithm that Spotify has to like 
block you from that. It, it actually can take your song down off Spotify. If, if it catches you doing that. Yeah, so that. if somebody really wanted to like ruin us, they could just leave our song on overnight, oh, yeah, nice. every night. And, and eventually... Then, <laughs> yeah, if we have any competition out there, that's how you ruin Trippin' on Bricks. <laughs> Um, so you, you get a, you get it up on something like Spotify and then do you spend a lot of time advertising that your song is there, that, you know, you can listen to it? Is it more important, uh, to the sort of success and financial success of the band, both, um, I guess, um, artistic success as in like people finding the music, but also financial success. Is it more important that people listen, say through Spotify or through your website? Cause I can listen to your song off your website. Yeah. Um, I guess that it's sort of a complex thing, the way that the whole streaming industry has changed everything about music. I mean, it really, in some ways, I, I, my opinion is that it's ruined a lot of the like genuine nature of the industry. So now anyone can really put up music and it's really hard to break through that noise. And because of that, you know, there's like hundreds of thousands of artists uploading songs like every month. And in that to break through that noise and to actually get paid out of that is like darn near impossible. So like the best way if you wanted to if if you were to like help a band out, the best way to do that is typically to buy a record. But it's uh, like a hard copy kind of thing. Or but kind of merch, like a yeah, or merch. I think for example, like twenty thousand streams or something like that would equate to like the price of a T-shirt. So like that's the whole industry has kind of changed. It's like an arbitrary setting that Spotify has um, of how much they give out per. Per stream, right. So if you, you're getting eight thousand listens on Spotify, it really doesn't matter to you if somebody's streaming it off of your website or Spotify. Right. It yeah. Doesn't make any it real doesn't difference. make a real difference, which is it's kind of a bummer, but that's just the way that it works now. So eight thousand streams is, is still great, and we're it's, happy about it. Um, but really, to cut through the noise, you have to like sit in the millions, which is really it's really tough to do that. Um, um, now we're here at WUSC, which is a college radio station, not a little nonprofit jobber here, uh, run by the students. And uh, one of the things that the students, the DJs who work here do is sift through the hundreds of CDs that come in. Uh, there are people who are far more dedicated to new music than I am. God bless them because uh, they will uh, figure out what deserves to be played and what doesn't deserve to be played. Everything gets reviewed. Everything wow. gets stacked up right here in the station. So the <laughs> stack of CDs behind me, these are all things that have been submitted in the past probably month that people have You're listened kidding. to, written reviews of, and said, this is what I think you should play off it. Wow. Because, uh, to be honest with you, it's hard uh, to know what to play. Yeah. And so one of the ways that, at least here on campus, uh, you know, one of the services, I think, that the radio station on campus provides is that you're able to cut through a little bit of that noise because yeah. some person has sat for an hour and listened and made notes about, I really like this track. It sounds like... These tripping on bricks guys sound a little bit like the Kings of Leon, yeah. right? And then you can flip through and figure out what genre things are, what the recommended song is, because I have learned that most albums, at least that make it into this station, have at least one track on them that's worth listening to. Mm. Um, almost rarely, you know, almost never do you find. 10 or 12 songs of which none of them have any redeeming quality. Right. Even on an album where the first three things are just horrid, <laughs> you can, song four will be like, oh, this is all right. I, I would listen to this. And then you say, play this one. Um, so have you looked into the uh, you know, college radio independent uh, market? How do you, how you get an album on yeah, the air? A little bit. Um, I've just, I mean, just the basic reading that I'm learning about as I go, but I've been, Actually, like kind of developing like a press list. 
of places I'm going to distribute to. And over the last week, I've just like sent out a gazillion and a half emails to places with like you know requests for spins, interviews, things like that. And then like I would. What I've been doing is like attaching our link so they can see it all, like the full like explore tripping on bricks kind of thing. But also I'll send like two radio ready tracks that I think are you know the best so they don't have to go pick it out. Um, and I've just been kind of doing that a lot. And it's uh, it's pretty hard to get responses, to be honest. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can see behind me. That yeah. This is, well, that what you're talking about is number of CDs that just come pouring in. Yeah. That's and, something that I've been thinking about for quite some time could be the real fix to this whole online streaming is like a very carefully selected like curator or curators it could be a lot of people like doing exactly what you're talking about that sort of curate the stuff out of the noise away from like the soundcloud type stuff and can you know pay artists the right what they deserve you know because that way we're not competing against taylor swift for percentage of streams this month you know it's just it's unrealistic that we will ever have 200 billion streams this month or whatever it is 200 million yeah, so it, it really does need some form of, like, independent curator, I think, well, to create, like, that smaller form thing. Well, I, I don't know how it translates to money for anyone, but um, maybe one of the great things about the WUSC website is they do uh, charts every month of what's getting played. Yeah. Uh, so you've got 40 or 50 DJs. Most of them are college students who are into music, who are into new music, who are into some sort of genre of their own. So you've got people who will pounce on the EDM CD yeah, yeah. and people who pounce on the country CD and people who bounce on the rock CDs and the folk and the rap and whatever right. because that's their thing and they're always looking for new artists. And those are the people who are mostly listening and giving reviews. So it's not me who goes, I, you know, I'm not a big country fan and then I have to listen to the country record because of course I'm going to be less kind because right. it's not my thing. But uh, there's, they're reviewed by people who, who are interested in them. And if you really like what you hear, you write a good review, you push it in the station, it gets some plays, and the next thing you know goes up on the website as like top 30 you know, artists being played this month or this past week at WUSC, and there you are. And then right. dedicated listeners can sort of, you know, 30 artists, and you say, well, wonder what the top 10 is like. That's a very reasonable thing that you could go online and, find them to stream or sure. uh, buy an album uh, that's not trying to sift through five or six hundred things right. that week it's sifting through 10 or 30 maybe yeah um, so I, I, it's a really great way to keep on top of new music I think mm -hmm. college radio you know independent radio uh, does a great job of that yeah definitely I'm really glad with like the, the like demographic of our fans right now particularly being like this college age almost because I think that's like the time when people really explore music and like because they're around so many different people, you're like getting exposed to things that you never thought you would. I'd never thought I would ever listen to anything EDM or like you know, but I've got a friend that likes it, and so he'd take me to a show. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And you're like, now I'm gonna check out Steve Aoki, you know. So like, I've I've kind of gotten into different things, and I think that kind of exists along the lines of, you know, anyone in that college setting. Yes, and then you close down, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> people I, I, do I know that really continue to listen to new music yeah. um, as they get to be like into their adult life? I'll go back to uh, Mumford & Sons and things like that after this. <laughs> after college, I'll get back to the folk. Um, so there are four of you in the band. Um, it is uh, guitar, bass, drum, vocals for... Mm -hmm. the, 
those of you out there listening who don't already know Tripping on Bricks, I'm sure that your fans are all listening and they're like, yes, of course, we know this. I hope so. Um, I'm not sure if they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so w- what is the songwriting process for you all like? Um do you all kick in? Does does one person write the lyrics? Does somebody come up with a tune and somebody writes the lyrics to it? Like, how does it work for you all? Uh, typically, with the exception of like one song, um, the drummer and I wrote one song off the record together. But other than that, I've like written everything on the record. And the way that it goes is, I like write the song, the melody, the like structure and lyrics and everything like that and, and you then do that on a piano on a guitar a little bit of both typically guitar though sometimes i'll work something out like on on piano just because like it it's a lot easier to see where the scales and things are on a piano so sometimes if i'm trying to find something i'll go to a piano to do it but typically it all happens on my guitar and then we come to like a band practice and we sort of flesh out what i was doing and then usually it kind of takes takes different directions you know it could speed up who knows a different drum beat might totally change the feel so so the arranging gets done in band practice but yeah you, you for the most part the lyrics and the tune mm-hmm. and the and the and sort of the i don't know vibe that you want you yeah know? exactly exactly and sometimes that totally changes i'll, I'll come in with like a a very s- strict idea on like what i was hearing and then you know we'll yeah. do something different like oh that's pretty cool let's try it <laughs> nick's got something to say over here no, nick but yeah so but uh yeah, it's pretty much ridge like lyrics wise and everything and then we take it to practice and everybody sort of sprinkles on their own parts and stuff like that. So like um we definitely talk about yeah, we definitely talk about like direction and stuff like that, but um you know, ET like writes bass parts and I write leads like guitar leads and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm so, not yeah, like we... writing the the tabs out for them. Yeah. It's like, "Hey, it's a, it's it's like I'll come in and be like, "Here it's it's B G E B G E B G E." And so inside of that everybody can play whatever they want you know if that means drum roll on the e i'm not like hey drum roll here you know <laughs> so I think, there's a lot of room for opening i just think of like when we wrote red door that's like the first track on the album and it really i mean rich had always talked about he had these lyrics and like a melody and stuff and then one day we were at a show and i was just playing a bass riff and he was like that's red door yeah and it was just like it just came together like immediately it was the weirdest thing how you know i mean Granted, he had a lot of it done, but it was it was very cool. That was like the one. Odd, yeah, I think we might one. have even like put it in like like all right now do that in B or something like that. I don't yeah. remember how it was, but I was like oh that's it yeah, do it. But that was cool. I'm glad how that one came together. It's like a really good opening track for the record, I think too, because it has a uh, like the, the energy of the full album. I think it's sort of telling of where it's going. Uh, the the album's called Colorblind. How did, how did you come up with the album title? Oh, um, so it's, uh, I'm actually colorblind, but it has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Um, the idea was like, basically these songs have been like, like I said, it's like four years of kind of putting this together. And it was like, when I was 19, I wrote the first song that, well, it's called Perfume. It's like the fifth track, I think. That was like the first song I ever wrote and that's on there. And then the, one of the most recent songs I've written is on there. And so like, you very much get. Uh, just a spectrum of my life from 19 to 22. Um, and so in that little time frame, you get to see, you know, emotions and things, dealing with college, dealing with loss, dealing with all, all kinds of things like that, you know, dating, all kinds of different takes on what the life of an early 20-year-old is like. Um, and I think it applied to a lot of different things. I wasn't just writing about myself. I would just kind of write about things that I noticed. There's political under- undertones, things like that. Just where I was in life is pretty present in each song. And so the overarching theme was, at 
a lot of them had pretty uh, like dark lyrics at points, and I wondered why that was, and I felt like um, I felt colorblind to the like world around me at a point, and so when I said things like you know the, the, the there's a bunch of lyrics in there that kind of explain that better, the song colorblind. Um, but it's sort of just feeling colorblind. You know, everything's dull around you for a while. And, like, I kind of get that. You know, you're at that next stage of life, and it's everything's a little bit dull sometimes. Uh, do you have influences of other bands that sort of help you all shape your sound? And did you do you have somebody who you, you know, you're, like, idolize that you sort of copy? Or is it, you know, a particular genre or anything like that? I don't think we copy anyone, but we all have, like, really different influences, I think. Yeah, um, I don't know, just when it comes to guitar playing, um, for me at least, um, there's a couple, like, guys in particular that I grew up watching and emulating and stuff, like um, John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff like that, so I have a lot of, um, like, funk influence and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. From, like, what, like, blue, like blues licks with funk sort of attitude. Funk so that's that's called like sort of um, me, and there's a track on the new album, Wishful Thinking, that kind of shows that pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I think blues rock I think there's kind punk. of tracks on uh, for each of us that sort of highlight our um, like each track in particular sort of highlights our you know um, like our upbringing or the way our style, I guess you could say. So. Yeah. My two drum dads are Dave Grohl and Steve Jordan. Uh, Dave Grohl was the drummer of Nirvana, obviously, and then formed the Foo Fighters after that, and then Steve Jordan. And, and um, Tenacious D. Yeah, that's true, too, yeah. Um, and then Steve <laughs> Jordan was, uh, I learned of him uh, nice as coach. the drummer for John Mayer Trio, which yeah. John, May- John Mayer is my overall dad. He so. is his father. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, I grew up on a lot of Tom Petty, you know, that's Southern rock, um, and then, but I mean, Obviously, as I got into an angsty teenager, I started listening to like emo <laughs> rock and punk rock and things like that. So that's kind of where I where base my in. play style <laughs> off of. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's where I come in. Why do you say that? No, not the punk rock. I was just kidding. It's oh. not exactly. Yeah, know, you're more underground than that. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up obviously listening to classic rock. My parents loved Tom Petty and Bon Jovi Young and Jesus. yeah, <laughs> and then I got really into like hip hop and stuff in, in <laughs> middle and high school. Yeah, I know they always laugh about that. Um, I but and then it just stemmed from hip hop into like local artists. I listen to a lot of oh, like yeah. Charleston bands. I try and keep up with. I mean, kind of indie. If you want to know just about newer, like, ar- newer a artists, local band, I don't he's know. the one to tell you about it. Like, if I'll be like, hey, have you heard of? Like, I went to a show at New Brooklyn Tavern one night, and I was, like, blown away. And I was like, oh, man, this band was amazing. I bet Evan's heard of them. I was like, have you heard of Sondor Blue? He's like, oh, yeah, those guys are great. You know, like, tells me all about them. He's like, oh, this bassist is playing with this person. Like, he just knows the whole scene. Well, that's good. So you're you're our go-to for the Columbia music scene then. Absolutely. And Charleston, I think, too. He's pretty well-educated. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm figuring it out, but... <laughs> Uh, where all do you play uh, venue-wise? Uh, so a, a band it, where you all are in your process of like relatively new, just coming out with the first album, what kinds of venues do you play at? And do you have a favorite place to play? Um, yeah, we've been I playing guess. at, I mean, we've been playing at the White Mule recently. Um, we haven't played there in a while. Uh, we played there a fair amount when they opened, and we would do cover shows there. Um, 
and then we've done a couple. When, when you guys do cover shows, who are you covering? Like, what are your <laughs> what are your go to covers? Oh my gosh, it's so you're, broad. You're not you're not, like, you're not doing like a tribute to. Uh, John Mayer or something. But right? we do. Like, we'll do a John Mayer song, and then we'll play Rage Against the Machine, like, four songs later. So, like, yeah. it just depends where we are, I think. At, the, at, like, Breakers Live, we do a lot of um, a lot of crowd pleasers, you know? And just based on how the crowd reacts, you know, if, if they're really going crazy, it's, you know, time for some killing in the name or something like that, you know? But, but if they're kind of relaxed, you know, we'll stick with the... Yeah, that's rare that they are. But like the first half, we stick with the Tom Petty type stuff because you know nobody wants to throw beer at nine p.m. Not true. Well, some people do. <laughs> I heard an interview with uh, Questlove, um, oh, in yeah? which he apparently was invited to DJ the um, I'll call it closing night party of the Obama presidency. So they oh, had no a way. final. Um, like a final party at the White House that's like awesome. before the inauguration the next day where you know they sort of like very informal thank you to all their like you know last chance for their friends to come to the White House kind of yeah thing. and they got and of, so they got Questlove that's to so DJ cool. and he said that he had put all of this effort into like the perfect set like esoteric thing the mood one into the other and then they got <laughs> about you know 25 or 30 minutes in and people were like you know Free bird! <laughs> Even at the White House that exists, there's no escaping. <laughs> there's literally no hope for us. I don't think they the actually case. requested free bird. But, you know, they, they start, you know, people start requesting stuff, and he doesn't want to play it. And then Obama was like, you're going to have to give the people what they want. Yeah, if Obama then, says to play Freebird, you play Freebird, even if um, you don't know Freebird. I just would like to state for the record that Obama did not request Freebird. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but he I was talking about having mentioning. to come to terms with, um, you know, playing the sort of crowd favorites, even when you think there's a better choice out there because oh, people, uh, you know, are drinking and they want what they want and they're not thinking the same way about oh, the yeah. music that you are. Um, so Story do you, of our lives. <laughs> so, do, so do you sort of like ride the crowd then? You're thinking like, hey, we want to play this next, and then suddenly you play one and, and it doesn't go over well, so you're like, I guess we're going to take a left turn yeah. and go in a different oh, direction. We used to have like a set list like that we would just play down, and I was I used to like structure them like really early. I used to structure them like, okay, we should be playing this by 1 p.m. or, you know, 1 a.m., and that would mean that they're at this level of excited. And, you know, that is way too, it doesn't work like that. Like, you have to go into it. We have, like, a list of songs that we know at this point, and then we'll just kind of, like, look at each other and go, hey, you want to do this one? It seems like good time for this one, you know, and that's that's how it's been there's, for the last while. There's no other way to do a cover show, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, like, if you just sit there and have, like, a list of songs that you're going to play, like, it's... People can often, even if they're, you know, drinking and stuff, people can often see, like, the uh, like the planning of it and stuff. And I think people, like, have a, good, a better time when they see you just, like, pulling songs out of your pocket and just, like, playing whatever you want to play at that moment in time. Oh, yeah, so. definitely. Do you all ever do, like, like live karaoke for folks? Do you ever have, like, a guest <laughs> vocalist? Guest vocalist, yeah, we do that. Not on purpose, oh, yeah. uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's there's a bouncer at um, Breakers Live that's an incredibly good singer. Uh, I don't know Mike's last name. Lartman. Mike Lartman. Yeah, Michael Lartman. Uh, he's, like, an incredibly good singer, and we found that out. Like, I don't remember how. One day he just started singing with us, and we were like, oh, my gosh, you're better than I am. 
So, so you pull him up for a cover every now and then? Yeah, he'll sing a few with us, and I just kind of get to sit what, back. What, what's his jam? What, what does he sing? Uh, he does Redbone. Yeah. Uh, he sings like CeeLo. He literally does. Like, he sounds okay. exactly like CeeLo. We used to play the song from School of Rock. Oh, yeah. Um, and he would Ooh. come up there and sing part of that with like us. Like the ACDC song? Or like like what? The, the one at the oh, end. No, like, I was on a road. Maybe we were making straight Maybe, yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. oh the actual like yeah. song from... Right. <laughs> <laughs> we did that like once. Uh, that's, <laughs> it's great to know that that song has, the people are covering that song. That's, people were crazy about it, too. I, I bet a surprising number of people in the audience were recognized it. Oh, yeah, I was really happy about that. There's All hope is not lost. <laughs> um, so just to, just to get back to the point at hand, uh, you've got a new album, Colorblind, coming out. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it comes out tonight. Tonight, uh, November twenty second. Uh, well, it's the twenty first at midnight. So as soon as we cross yeah. into the twenty second, um, you it's coming out both streaming, so folks can find it um, on the, the places you would find it, right? Spotify, everywhere, um, literally Apple any Music. Sort of um, so oh yeah. Um, so you uh, and then you also um, have a website. We right? do. What's um, your website? It's just uh, trippingonbricks.com. Somehow and we managed to get that domain. I don't yeah. know. Nobody had it. Nobody had Somebody it. did reach out to me about, like, hey, man, if you ever want to get rid of that, that domain, let me know. I was like, what? What do you sell? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> we're a band. Like, And how did you, like, have you been watching to see if anyone buys this? It was like a real quick thing. Like, hey, I see you own this domain now. <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> um, and and you, you all are... University of South Carolina students, right? Uh, or, or, I mean, were University of South Carolina uh, students? Everybody but Nick. Oh, Nick is the lone. Where, I did where, go to college, though. Where did you go? <laughs> um, <laughs> I went to there. a tech school um, in Orlando, Florida, Full Sail University. All right, He's well, our was, music man. So long as you didn't sort of say, you know, a rival school. I, yeah, no. Um, I am a South Carolina fan, raised at least. I was born up in New Jersey, but moved here when I was like four, so... I'm a South Carolina fan. I have a miserable sports life. I'm a New York Giants fan, New York Mets fan. Yeah, we met Nick in oh, five points. My so like, it's about as Carolina. Well, I was as working. But, that, but that's about as Carolina as it is to meet somebody in five points. Right. Well, yeah. I was working. Yeah. Well, it was still five points. <laughs> details. I to, details. I don't go to five points. And the uh, the band name comes from uh, the campus life of uh, walking on all of the bricked paths. Many of them are older than. They might should be f- by OSHA oh, yeah. regulations, um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and uh, she's like crooked. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we love it. And uh, is there anything else you think that uh, fans should know? Folks that are don't know you should know about the band, about uh, the upcoming album. Sure. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna play uh, Lace, which is your current single, uh, before we go. But uh, you know. Th- Anything you think people would want to know, this is your chance to spill the beans. There's a couple of uh, things, I guess, that are more like announcements or anything like that. Um, We've, on like all of our social media for the most part now, I think we have this thing called Linktree setup, and it's sort of just an access point for anything tripping on bricks. So at this point, if you you were to click... Linktree? Linktree, yeah. It's like the link in our bio now. Uh It used to be our website, but it's a little hard to navigate around a website to find what you want. This is like right there, nice and clean. You click on it and it just you know immediately shows you everything that we've done for the most part, like interviews, whole nine yards, official website, and so that's what we're using for like access points for everybody. Because if you put the Spotify link in your bio, the Apple Music people are like, oh, what do we do? So this has it all in one place, and that's there now. If, if you know, 
in order to see. If you want to find more more about you, yeah, more about us there, and then where you're playing, how to find the album. Oh, all that's on there. Um, That's mainly the that's like the new one. Uh, Merch is one of the newest things we have. We're gonna have merch available now. Um, So. With, we already have stickers you, online. You'll, you'll have a logo? Is that we right? do. Describe your logo. to. The it's like a caution, like the caution tripping hazard thing, but there's bricks beneath the guy. I'm surprised we haven't been sued for that yet. Yeah. I guess the government's not going to sue yeah, us. Ha-ha! Look he looked it up. We're good. We've got a lawyer in the band. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, um, that's we'll have merchandise now available. It's been a while since we you know, have looked into that and now we're actually going to have some stuff we're going to have some hard CDs t-shirts stickers things like that that will be available over the next couple weeks and then basically this the summary of the album is that like um, we did this independently and this is very much us like I want people to recognize that the the raw sound is it's, it's us you know like I I think it describes us better than anything else at this point so and you are self-promoting this. How, how does a, somebody successfully self-promote these days? Uh, Not well. We'll tell you if we find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I truthfully, I don't you're know. Like, you, you want me to tell you how to do it? I, I, I yeah, have an answer I, if, for you. If you knew, I would we'll hire you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hopefully somebody will uh, find you all through this podcast. I sure hope so. I hope that we're, you know. Anyone that can hear it is cool. You know? Yes. So uh, my plug for the band is uh, you should support local music. And um, one of those local bands is Tripping on Bricks. Their album comes out tomorrow. You can catch them in Five Points at the White Mule on December 6th. It's a late show, so if you're running late, don't worry about it. Um, if you come early, there'll be uh, an opening act. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody else's. A, a very, very talented opening act. He's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> a major thing to n- mention. He's also a friend that helped some of the he did a little bit of production on some of the songs um thank you so much for being here this week thanks for having us the coker center arts roundup is produced in part by garnet media group the student media partnership at the university of south carolina information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at cogercenterforthearts.com the official website for coger center tickets For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.